Welcome to the podcast about the people who make indie comics. My name is Roland, and you can call me Pops. Let's meet the uncanny creator. Hello, Wentman. Hello there. Did you lose weight? Probably. <laughs> in, in a month since I talked to you last? Or yeah. My mom asked me the same thing. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm exercising every day. Oh, that's good. That's good. Do I look, un- do I look unhealthy? No, you don't. Did you lose weight? I think I did. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I think I lost, I don't know, four, five. But my mom's like, your face looks thin. Uh, I, I that's mom's. Mom, mom's always think we look too. I'll eat more if you insist. The uh, the last time we spoke, we talked about Red Koi, and you were working on another book. The name, more Red Koi. The new, the new Red Koi. Yep. Yeah, the second is, chapter. Is that wrapped up yet, or are you still working? Almost. I just wrapped up. Well, I'm. I've got the last page of issue four. So it, chapter two is going to be issues three, four, and five. Chapter four, I'm on the last page. I just need to look at it again to see if I want to edit anything, and then I'll be on to chapter five. So that'll be out. The chapter uh, issue three will be out in I think. August or September, everything's kind of gotten bumped, obviously, yes. with everything going on. And so it'll be sort of every two months after that. So I'm, I'm okay. I was like pleasantly surprised when I pulled out the last page thing for issue four. I was like, oh God, I might actually, I might make my deadline. So awesome. awesome. That's good. But yeah, the Swan King is going to be, is going to be re released uh, next week, fingers crossed. Next week. Okay. That was, that was done back in 2018. And so now, um, yeah, that'll be re-released. Great. Tell us about your start in comics. Yeah. Uh, your, uh, your first professional job. I mean, you know, you got paid. <laughs> <laughs> paid is a relative term because everything that I've done. Compensated. Maybe compensated is the better word. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so the first thing I ever did where I, so I've gotten paid for art here and there. Mm-hmm. You know, I've and it's mostly, you know, friends, um, people who I just come across like, oh, you can draw? You know, can I can I pay you to do something? Well, yes, you can. Um, <laughs> but in terms of comics, the first time that I actually had paid uh, compensation was winning a contest for Valiant Comics. And the contest was just draw one of our characters. Um, oh. And I had been sort of put myself through training the previous year I had tried doing multiple graphic novels, wasn't getting it right. So I had taken a year and really put myself through my own kind of art school where it was, okay, now you've got to learn anatomy. You've got to learn perspective. You've got to learn vehicles. You've got to learn city. You've got to learn nature. And it's, you know, debatable if I've gotten any of those things down pat, but I'm better than where I was. And so I took that year to do that. And by the time this uh, contest came across, I was reading a lot of Valiant stuff at the time. And I saw, I was like, well, that could be kind of cool. So I just drew a picture of Shadow Man and I was pretty pleased with it. And so I sent it in and lo and behold, I won. And so I got a call. Yes, yeah, I got a call from Valiant. You got a call back from Valiant. So I got a call back from Valiant and there was the offer, you know, if you're ever in the New York area, you can come on into our office. So I said, well, I can be there next month because I've got a, some in-laws that live in, in the city. So made that happen. And I said, but could I get a portfolio review? And so I brought up the stuff that I'd been working on and a reviewer there at Valiant took a look and it was my first real ever professional review. And it was really great. You know, he was very honest. He showed me what I did well that I didn't even realize. And he showed me what I did really poorly. And that was help, really helpful. 
And so then I turned that into my working on my first short story, which ended up in Alterna um, Comics If Anthology 2016, which was a superpower theme. And I did a retelling of Hercules' first trial against the Nemean lion. Mm -hmm. um, and that was the first thing. And I, so I got compensation from Valiant because I got issues of those books that my, my image appeared in. And they took me through a tour of the office and just spoiled me with tons of hard covers and great books. And then for Alterna, you get compensated a copy of the book for every page of story. So I had 13 oh, okay. copies to sell. Okay. Yeah. And so it's sort of been like that for a long time, relatively speaking, but you know, <laughs> kind of getting my work into an anthology, getting copies of it, I can sell those, I continually kind of build up my, you know, small little presence in comics. And I, I've never, thankfully, I've never technically worked for free where I haven't gotten any. I've heard horror stories where some people that are part of these anthologies and they don't get anything for them. It's just you you get to be a part of the anthology is some mm -hmm. kind of payment for me. It was always, no, you get a copy of the book, you sell the book and, you know, make some of that money back. So oh, okay. that's kind of the start. So how does that lead to you doing Red Koi, the first part? So the cool thing about with Alterna, and I didn't realize this, when I started looking for anthologies to pitch to, because that just seemed to be the natural next step is to start trying to do short stories. I googled comic anthologies and Alterna came up. And lo and behold, Peter Samedi, the publisher of Alterna, he lives like half hour away from me. Like he's a New England oh. guy, like okay. near where I am in New England. So, but he had accepted my stuff before we ever realized that. So that was kind of nice. What that meant was I could do shows with him. Right. Where I could sell my book, I could sell Alterna stuff. And he could see my stuff. So we were at a free comic book day. This is 2017. And uh, I had been working on Red Koi. So Red Koi, I had done all these short stories for anthology and stuff. And I got to a point where I was like, okay, I feel comfortable having done all these short stories. I had wasted a lot of time back in the day. I had done like uh, almost 60 pages of graphic novel. I had done a 100 page graphic novel that just wasn't good. But I got myself to a point where I was like, I'm gonna try something longer. So I, I came up with Red Koi, and that was gonna be my first attempt at a Kickstarter or a crowdfunder. Okay. So I, but I brought my portfolio around to free comic book days and shows because people like to see. And plus, you know, Peter's table's over there, so I might have sort of tilted it, you know, in his direction. And <laughs> right. then, you know, we're, we're, we're friendly. So eventually he came over to say hi, and he basically was like, what's this what is this right here I was like oh you know it's a little something I've been working on um you know thinking about a kickstarter or something. he's like huh why don't you uh why don't you send it my way maybe I'll take a look at it you know I want to I want to see it I was like yeah all right maybe I will um, and so that started the uh alternative submission process okay and um you know that kind of got it rolling and working with Peter kind of and at that time I mean, Alterna had been growing pretty seriously, but 2017, I think, was when they started the newsprint line, and right. things just loaded for Alterna. Mm -hmm. So the submission process, it took a while, because the poor guy is trying to do everything, and he was always great about response and stuff, but things just took a while. But he had great feedback about, like, adding color and, you know, things like that. So that put me in touch with my colorist, Nick Welch. That kind of is how it, it started to grow. But because the process was taking a while, I knew Red Koi wasn't gonna be out until 2019. So my whole thing 
when I first had that Valiant Comics piece published was I don't want a year to go by where I don't have something published, whether it's a short okay. story or something. And so, and I kept up with that. And so 2018 was going to end up being a year where I didn't have anything published. And so I was like, well, I want to try a crowdfunder. Maybe I can come up with a one shot. And so I wrote this story called The Swan King. Swan King. And so it was a, it's a 19 page story. It's a very lived in world. It's got all the things that I like. It's dark fantasy. It's swords. It's, you know, fantastical creatures and their animals and nature. And there's a drinking contest with the devil. You know, all the things that you look for in a good story. <laughs> but so I was able to try a, a Kickstarter and, and, you know, it worked out. And the Swan King came out. And I had another story. And then Red Koi came out. And people liked that. And Peter, again, one day, you know, he was looking over the next chapter of Red Koi and giving me his thoughts. And then I had all the art for the Swan King in there. He's like, what's this? I was like, well, this is the Swan King. That I, he's like, we could do that too. It's like, yes, we can. We can yes, do that. Can. So um, that's, that's kind of what's brought us up here. And then Red Koi was announced recently. It will be an ongoing at Alterna. Okay. So I can push it out as far as I want, as Good. long as people are willing to read it. Excellent, and, uh, excellent. Yeah, so... so tell time. us the, the uh, synopsis uh, or the plot of Red Koi. So the first chapter of Red Koi is a self-contained story about a, uh, a young um, female samurai who is journeying to a castle her father built on the site of his last great battle, great in quotes, her parents have passed, traveling to this outpost, really. He built this castle on this haunted swamp for some reason, and she's kind of just going to put his affairs in order. When she gets there, you know, everything is very strange. It's very, there are only a few servants taking care of it, and there's an uneasy feeling over the whole place. So she just wants to get in there and get out, but she realized pretty quickly some insidious things have happened here, and there's a darker force that's sort of nested in the heart of this castle. She also discovers some, you know, deep, dark secrets of her family history. And this uh, once proud lineage that she is a part of, you know, she's shown she's shown some, some real darkness to it. And so she's got to reconcile with that. And so the story, it's in its two issues. The story is all self-contained um, in this castle, in this space. Part of that was at the time that I was writing it, I wanted to limit myself because I find if I let myself go, I'll just keep writing and writing and writing. <laughs> and before I know it, we'll have a whole universe to contend with. But it echoes of a much larger world where her family, her people have had a much deeper impact. And, you know, she's always been able to see it as something that was, you know, for the good, for honorable purposes. And her father, who I... I you don't really get a, a deep personal look at him. You will in chapter two, but I wanted to show that you know all these, all these monsters that we see in history, all these monsters that we see in in our real life. Like whether we like it or not, I, I don't like when people say, "Well, that person isn't human." No, they are. They are human, and they probably loved someone as well. Okay. You hear these stories about these ancient, I don't know, probably not even so ancient, but these you know, these horribly corrupt leaders and stuff who doted on their children, loved their children, loved their families, but were these monsters to, to other people. And so you see with um, 
her father, his name is Naga. See with Naga, he he doted on his daughter. He trained her well, but there was also uh, a loving side to him. He also had this darkness to him. And so I don't I don't want any of my characters to ever be, com- you know, no one's completely good or completely evil. That's the same as in real life. So yeah. I don't, I want that to be in my story as well. I just think it's going to be more interesting. Great. So the second part, which is coming out when? So it should be coming out. August or September. Fingers. That's going to show more about the character. Ico. Uh, more about Ico. Is is the timeline going to continue forward? Are we going to see a prequel or? Yeah. So so actually, I'm glad you asked because the Red Koi Giant is going to be coming out pretty soon as well. What's that? Uh, the Giant is where we compile the chap the first chapter issues one and two into one book, but. Right because I don't want people to just be paying for a new cover in the same story. I've added a 12-page prequel to that book where you're going to okay. see the meeting, essentially, that sends her out to that castle. Okay. And you see more of the samurai people, the samurai faction. You see the larger shogunate lord who her father and family is actually subservient to. You see a, a much larger peak at the world that she is a part of. Um, and so that's actually, I think we're trying to time that to come out with issue three. So that should oh, be out okay. in the fall around the same time. And that'll be an alternate giant. So it'll be about five bucks. You're going to get, you know, an extra 12 pages of story to kind of put everything in context. I think it's going to work really well together. It's going to be some edits to um, some of the panel layout in the issues it was very obviously it's a very dark story but it was also right. actually very i used a lot of black ink um uh-huh. so i know they were gonna that peter wanted to touch up some of the panels just to make the layouts a bit more clear did a new cover that you know i was actually pretty proud of so i think people enjoy that is the prequel going to be colored similar to the original story so the prequel is going to be all in black and gray. I talked to black Peter about that, and he thought that as a flashback, it helped to have that solid break. So okay. I'm nervous, man. It's just going to be me without Nick to make me look good. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> the story will hold up. I hope so. Besides Red Koi and Swan King, are, are you working on any other projects that you Red can talk Koi. about? <laughs> so Red Koi is the main one I'm working on right now, trying to finish that up. I've still got issue five to draw. And then actually it was announced on Alterna live stream the other night. And chapter three of Red Koi is going to be a crossover between Red Koi and the Swan King. Oh, so okay. those okay. characters are going to meet. I'm currently just in the imagination process now. I've got a script written, almost, right. com- almost completely done. But I was sitting here one night at my computer uh, going over color pages because Nick got me the pages for issue three that he finished coloring. And I was going over those, taking notes, and I just get a random message from Peter. He says, hey, do you have any plans to bring the Swan King into the Red Koi universe? I was like, no, but now. (laughs) (laughs) And he just talked to me about how he thought that the characters um, could work really well together. The complimentary, yeah. Yes. And so, of course, as soon as he said that, my mind just, like, <laughs> just starts running with the possibilities. And it was funny timing because 
I really love the Swan King as a character. You know, it was a character that came out for me at a time when I was just I was I was looking for a story to tell, and this character came out in this pretty lived-in world, and I missed that character, and I, I had you know sort of a desire to go back, but I was actually in the process of thinking about well if I was going to tell another Swan King story what would I tell because I've had a lot of people some people who haven't even read the, who aren't even part of the Kickstarter but just seen the cover to the Alterna book and said you know is this character going to come out you're going to do more it's going to be an ongoing and I keep saying no no the, the first book was what it was I was really happy with it I, I don't want to mess with it then your publisher says hey here's an idea what do you think <laughs> and then I swear all night, man. My my poor wife, she kept dealing with me waking up, turning over to my little notebook and just jotting down ideas. Uh-huh. It was just like, oh, well, I this and I that and they could be here and they could talk about this. And cool. We'll see. I hope it works. All right. Now, how does it work with intellectual property at Alterna? It's all creator-owned. So it's all creator-owned. Yeah, it's all creator-owned. Like so, an image. Yes, yes. So we own our copyright. So okay. the only thing that Alterna is really interested in is publishing comic books. But okay. if I do toys, I do posters, I do anything. It's all mine. It's um, all yours. It's all mine. I can bring Alterna in, like if, if there's a movie or a or a cartoon or something like that. I could bring <laughs> Alterna in to I don't know at some so, in, at a capacity if I wanted to. Okay. Um, but it's all at my discretion and Pete's great because he's I mean he's he says that in multiple live streams where he's like I want you guys to do as much as you can do it's like right. I'm just happy to ride your coattails and print the comic books because if the movie <laughs> comes out I'm just going to be printing more books right, um, right. and obviously we love Pete so we want to we want to have the, the books come out and, and promote our characters as much as possible so, good good excellent yeah. You have any? I want to say heroes, but maybe there are either past or present comic creators that you look up to, that you admire, uh, you enjoy their work. So I think my earliest hero was Todd McFarlane. Okay. But it, so it was because I loved Spawn. That's that's fair. But at the same time, he was the first guy that I ever realized at a very young age owned his own character. And then it struck me when I realized, I was like, I don't know who owns Batman. I don't know who owns Captain America. Mm-hmm. And I remember these interviews with Todd McFarlane. He was so passionate about that. He owned his guy. And he could do what he wanted. And that freedom from a very young age just sparked my imagination. So even when I'm a little kid and I'm drawing my own comic books, I'm not doing... Batman and Spider-Man. I'm doing a rip-off of them, absolutely. But uh-huh. it's mine, you know? It's yours. Um, so Todd McFarlane, definitely from a creative standpoint, as a, from a business standpoint, and also as a creative standpoint, very free, very cartoony style. He just twisted and pushed and broke the rules as much mm-hmm. as he could, and he had a right to. Um, but then, because he brought in Greg Capullo. I got exposed to Greg Capullo on Spawn and that right. is my favorite era of Spawn is Greg Capullo and the fact that he was given so much freedom to explore and grow um, and push. Michael Turner 
definitely was a major inspiration. I remember I always wanted to be able to draw women like him. I still can't. But because he always had such a positive attitude and a positive presence in comics. The fact that he was someone who, I think, what is the story? Like, he showed Mark Silvestri his portfolio. And Mark Silvestri says, it wasn't good. But he Uh just started learning how to draw, like, like really training for comics like six months before that. So if okay. he got to that point in six months, Mark Silvestri's like, uh, this kid's going to be something special. And he was. Right. But yeah. so he brought himself to a point where he's selling hundreds of thousands of copies of independent comic books, you know, gets cancer, yeah. goes into treatment, but then comes out of it and is like, okay, so I was at the top of the level in indies. I want to see if I can do more. Mm-hmm. Starts his own publishing line. Yes, you know, and and wants to see his ideas, you know, come to life because he's got this new perspective. It's like, you know, none of us know how long we're going to be here. I'm mm-hmm. going to take a shot at it. And man, he did. You know, he mm-hmm. really, really did. And even, you know, when he's hit with the worst new- news of his life, I was reading an interview with him where he just said, I've got to approach this as positively as I can because right. there's just no other way to do it. He said he mm-hmm. gave himself 15 minutes to feel bad for himself. 15 wow. minutes. Um, so definitely him. And then um, I guess the last one, the last two I'll say, Mike Mignola, mm-hmm. Hellboy, Hellboy, com- I remember I've got the Wizard Magazine down by my feet where I first found out about Hellboy. Oh, okay. Hellboy completely changed. It was what I was looking for when I didn't know what I was looking for. You know, it, oh. it showed me that comics really can be anything. Hellboy's like, yes. he's like a superhero, but he's so much more than that and like Mike Mignola's art style was so different than anything that I had ever seen before he was not Mm -hmm. Todd McFarlane he was not you know Greg Capullo he's very different but I really liked it and so uh, Mike Mignola was a game changer for me I really was obsessed and obviously to a degree still am obsessed with Mike Mignola and then um, Scott Morse was a big one he's done all these great independent Mm -hmm. graphic novels um Sean Murphy, clearly, he's a he's a big one. What he can do with ink is incredible. Mm-hmm. And uh, last one I'll say is Akira Toriyama and Dragon Ball Z. Oh, and okay. <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. I didn't really care for anime as a kid, but when I found Dragon Ball Z, his style, his characters—they look tougher. They're sort of just more compound and detailed. I love Dragon Ball. I've got like 17 volumes of Dragon Ball Z on my, <laughs> on my So I love Akira Toriyama as well. And so you take all that, mesh it together, and sort of get me. Cool. Is there a character uh, that exists, maybe a Marvel or a DC character, or maybe even Hellboy, that you'd want to work on mm-hmm. outside of your own character? Here's a weird one, and I wouldn't have said this even probably two months ago because it was I forgot how much I love the character <laughs> do you remember Steel yeah Steel. <laughs> you forgot about this is so funny everyone the guy I spoke to this morning Ramel no. Hill no I asked him about you know the comics he read when he was growing up he said Milestone and before that he said he started reading comics right at the death of Superman and right after the death, they had those, the four Superman, and one of them was Steel. 
Yep. 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 That's funny. I got two references about Steel in the same day. Something's going around me. So I don't know. I loved Steel because I loved the Shaq movie when I was a kid. Okay. It's like the first superhero movie that came out aside from Batman. I was like, oh, something's happening here. We're getting superhero movies. Oh. I, I loved Iron Man, but I always loved Steel's look more. I loved that he had his face and it could move, but it was metal, but I didn't care. Right. Um, I like that he sort of, he took on the Superman iconography, but made mm-hmm. it his own. Did you watch those episodes of uh, Batman Superman Adventures on WB? Yes. Back, I, don't, I don't know how old you are, but when I was in my you know, middle school, teen years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I recently in my life developed an appreciation for Superman, but I only ca- at that time I only cared about the episodes where Steel was in it, which is like, I don't know. Two or three, um, mm-hmm. but and I, I've got the the artist's name right here. But the artist John Bogdanov, okay, he just did these renderings of steel that were just so cool. And he's so mm-hmm. like, there's so many angles and what you can do with the metal and the hammer. Um, so it's like there's elements of Thor, there's elements of Superman. You know, he's just this massive character. So I just feel like I would have a lot of fun with that. But I I love Steel, but I forgot about Steel for a long time. And then recently... So did DC. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. And it's like, there's so much you could do with the character. So much fun you could have with them. And actually, in a, I am in touch with my comic shop because they, they're shipping me books. My I said to my shop, you know, could you get me Reign of Superman? And then would you mind going through the, the back bins? And if whatever copies of Steel you can find, just throw them in and I'll pay for them. And okay. so I got like four, I think like the first, yeah, like the first four issues of Steel. Oh, just, cool. Just have fun with it, you know? Uh, but I would yeah. love to, I still haven't drawn him because I'm trying to finish Red Boy, but that's one I would actually take a crack at. That or yeah. Green Arrow. Or Green but Man. Steel's who I'm more interested in. You know, I don't know why, for somebody, he always, I might get in trouble for this, he always strikes me as sort of like a low-rent Batman. <laughs> Like, but I don't mean that in a mean way. He's just, he's got the same thing. He's just a guy. Uh-huh. Same thing with Steel. I mean, Steel's like he's way smarter and he's got better technology and a sweet right. hammer. But, you know, Ollie's just a guy. Yeah. With terrible facial hair, but you know, he's making it work. <laughs> what do you think about the future for indie comics in general? Marvel and DC are kind of making some moves, some different things in digital, some different things distributing-wise. So I think indies have a, a unique position now uh, coming out of COVID mm-hmm. where there may be public new publishers. There, there are a few already, but there'll be new players in distributing and also the next wave of artists and writers mm-hmm. um, will probably end up being indies i think i don't think the uh the glamour of working for marvel or dc is what it used to be Uh, i think there's a lot more benefit to the to the artists owning their own properties either through an indie like like image or alterna or doing a self-published book what do you think about that i mean i agree and i say that because i know so i mean from where i am and no one's knocking so let me definitely put this in context I don't want anybody to think I have a big head or anything like that but like I 
realized so obviously from my love of Todd McFarlane, my love of Michael Turner, my love of Mike Mignola, you know, Scott Morse doing his own work, Akira Toriyama doing his own work. I've always loved independent creators. Becky Cloonan, who would be doing books for uh, DC and also pushing herself to do something of her own every year. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always loved that independent path. Okay. But I also realized, I mean, there's, I wouldn't trade places with anybody mm-hmm. in the mainstream. It's okay. not, like you said, it's not glamorous. Like, I don't know who the last rock star comic artist was. In my mind, I'm just like, who's the last rock star comic artist that I can remember? And I'm sure they exist, and I'm just very mm-hmm. ignorant. But like, who is the last Greg Capullo? Like, maybe it's Sean Murphy, because he's still making a killing on Batman. Mm-hmm. But it's like, Sean Murphy, Sean Murphy. I'm not trying to ever compare <laughs> myself to Sean Murphy. You know, but there aren't as many as like, in the 90s or the early right. 2000s where it's like you would have these artists and they were putting out these incredible books and again and i'm not trying to disparage other people it's just i'm not personally excited about really anything that's coming out okay um aside from sean murphy's white knight okay but i realize where i am with alterna i wouldn't trade places you know i get to make my own thing it's a lot of hard work. I work a full-time job. Uh, outside of that, you know, I've devoted, you know, family man. But I love what I'm making, and I've got the freedom to make it whatever I want it to be. I think you're right. I think that that's the future because there are there are ways to do it now, and right. people are finding ways to make a lot of money from. Um, that's not going to be everybody. Right. I have no right. illusions about that. But the opportunity is there. And sure. I, I firmly believe, and this is just because this is what took me personally from someone who had illusions of artistic ability to the reality check that I wasn't as good of an artist as I thought I was, then committing to wanting to be a published comic artist and writer, that if you don't quit, your chances of success increase drastically because it's so much easier to quit than Mm -hmm. it is to succeed. Like it's way easier. It's like 99% easier. (laughs) And so a lot of people do. And for good reason, it's a lot of hard work and you don't get, you don't see the result of it sometimes ever. Ever. Um, But I believe that if you commit to it and you don't quit, you're either going to continue to get better and see the fruits of your labor or, you know, someone's going to have to tap you on the shoulder one day and be like, Hey bud, you, you got yeah. time to yeah, call yeah. it. Quick. You're done. Uh, <laughs> but if things, if things continue to kind of slowly grow every year, I think that that is a good stuff. Cool. You know, good. So Two I don't know, that's, a, that's a rambling answer, but no, I think that's good. the future for Indies is bright. Very bright. Yeah. I have two more questions that are not related to, co- well, one is not related to college. The first one is uh, about my cooking skill. Um, I love to cook. I'm asking the people I interview, if I was going to make you a custom meal just for you, what would it be? Assuming I could cook anything. Which I, pretty well, much, I have okay. a recipe, I can cook it. This, this is going to be difficult because I would say, well, what do you do well? No, if I have the recipe, I can make it. So it's really up to you, whatever you enjoy eating, whatever. 
All right. Well, if I had to go that, because I always, if someone has a specialty, I want to have your specialty. Especially if you're from a different part of the country than I am, you've got some some local flavor. I I love pizza, so pizza. I want to see what you do with a with a pizza. I want to see the whole presentation, you know, how you put it together, what your choice of toppings are, all that jazz. A pizza, okay. Pizza, I'm pretty right. basic. The other question was, I'm keeping. I don't know if I told you about the podcast uncanny creative that this is going to be broadcast on you're probably going to be the second week in june awesome i'm doing on wednesdays i have to figure out which platform they're going to go on pick somebody who can send them all to all the platforms because i know there's services that can do that for us so i'm asking people i interview at the end of the interview to let me know if there's someone that i should interview they think they they know that I can interview next. You already know who you got to interview next, in my opinion, Robert Geronimo. Robert Geronimo. Blood Realm. Blood, Blood Realm. Realm. The guy. Make it, yeah, that's right. I, got, I have his card from the show. Okay. Got to use it. And I have his shirt. Yeah, we. I think we have the same shirt. The red one, right? Right. Yeah, he's, he spent some time out here in Port Jervis, five or six miles from where I live. And um, I met him last year I think the first time but he's been up here a few times he's a great got guy. shirt last summer but uh, okay Robert Geronimo will be on the list people laugh when we're on live streams together for Alterna because we're both bald with glasses and <laughs> he's he's uh he's like 100% Italian so he's just a little more tan than me but we're like uh wonder twins yeah. we like try to do like the wonder twin <laughs> yeah thank you so much Tyler for chatting with me again um, for those who don't know, we, we had a live stream a month ago, a month and a half Something ago. Something like that, man. I didn't save it, so I'm doing this again, and now we'll be put on the, the Uncanny Creatives podcast, debuting on June 3rd, next Wednesday, uh, with Ramel Hill, and then Tyler will be the following week on the 10th of June. Thanks Happy again, Tyler. Thank you Hi. for having me. And, and uh, you keep working hard. I'll be looking forward to seeing more of Red Koi and the Swan King and whatever else you get assigned to. Can't wait to hear what you think of it. Excellent. You have a great night. Thanks, bud. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.